Thanks for joining us here at AG Kolkata. We are the church for the open arms and we serve in the city of joy, Kolkata. It is our desire to reach out to those in need and to be instruments of effective change in a hurting world. If you like to learn more about us, you can simply go to www.agkolkata.org. We hope that you'll enjoy today's message. I think some of you at least are here because of the topic we announced. Jesus was not a Christian. And uh, I don't know what mindset you've come. Perhaps some of you are, if you are from a Christian background, perhaps you're uh, not very happy with the title. And if you want to fight with me, you can fight with me after the service, okay? But there was a there, yeah, a very well-known historian by the name of H.G. Wells. I don't know how many of you have heard the name. Uh, perhaps some of us slightly more senior people would have heard the name. Very well known. And I want to begin by quoting his words. He says, I am a historian. I am not a believer. As a historian, that this notice was this penniless preacher from Nazareth is the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history, A.G. Wells. Who really is this Jesus? I know some of you are saying, Pastor, everybody knows. No, you think you know. Uh, you know, some of us have heard and know the name of Jesus so many times. You know the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt? Yeah. Uh, you think you know. Just bear with me uh, for the next half hour. Uh, and I hope by the end, if you have any misconceptions about this Jesus, uh, I hope they will be corrected. Who is this Jesus? And 2,000 years after his death, see, all human beings die, right? So he died 2,000 years ago. But 2,000 years after his death, why does his life continue to have such a deep impact on the lives of people across the planet? I want to rewind a bit. But try and imagine... You are a newspaper reporter, and you happen to be in Jerusalem on the day Jesus was crucified. You know how reporters are, they're looking for a scoop. So you go around and you ask people, you know, who is this? Uh, and you do some investigation. Well, let me tell you what the next day's article would look like, okay? This is what I think. I quote. Jesus of Nazareth, son of a carpenter. He came into public view suddenly about three and a half years ago at the age of 30. Some claim that he had some supernatural powers to heal the sick and cast out evil spirits. But the Jewish religious leaders who opposed his teaching had him arrested and crucified. 
tragic end to a good life. The few followers he had have all scattered in fear. But the Roman authorities are relieved that the minor social unrest that was caused has now been dealt with. The end. The reporter who saw Jesus' helpless figure hanging on a cross and watched him breathe his last could never have imagined, predicted, that 2,000 years later, the world would still be impacted by this man. Now, hundreds of prophets, sages, and religious leaders have come and gone down through the ages. And we respect every one of them. All of them had something good to say and contribute to the progress of humankind. But I believe Jesus was different. And what makes Jesus different from so many great men and women who have come with a message from God, have come and served mankind in some way? What's so special about this person called Jesus Christ? Is it because Jesus came as the founder of a great new religion? That leads me to the heart of uh, my topic today. What was Jesus' religion? In fact, I am one of those who believes, as I study the life of Christ, Jesus had no time or patience for formal religion and lifeless, lifeless, dead tradition. Okay, So he was not religious in that sense. But what was his religion? Was he a Jew? Well, most of the world believes that. But when you study his life closely, this is what I've discovered. Jesus was born a Jew, but he overturned many of the Jewish traditions. In fact, he did many things a good Jew was not supposed to do. Let me give you a few illustrations. The religious Jew, you know, the upright Jew, kosher Jew, despised women and despised the half-breed race called Samaritans. Jesus, very radical for the time in which he lived, actually included women as part of his traveling team. I thought some women will smile at me when I say this. Okay. And publicly didn't hide his liking for the Samaritans. And see, this is what one of the, among the things that made the Jewish religious leaders really angry with him. Not only that, the religious Jew actually regarded non-Jews as, and I quote, fuel for the fires of hell. 
they despised the non-Jews. Jesus, although he was, he died in Jerusalem, which was part of the Jewish territory, he spent most of his time outside of Jew Jewish territory in a province that was called Galilee of the Gentiles. Give me one more illustration. This thing is going down. Somebody can help me to raise it up. The Orthodox Jew made a big deal about keeping the Sabbath. These guys are amazing. Huh? You must give them a hand. All of these people here on this side and on that side. It's okay. Never mind. I can hold it in my hand. See that? Can you think anywhere in the planet that such efficient uh, change can take place? Thank you. The Orthodox Jew made a big deal about the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath was a day when, oh, the Orthodox Jew had, believe it or not, thousands of detailed instructions about this special day called the Sabbath. Now, Jesus deliberately rocked, I need a little higher, deliberately rocked the Sabbath tradition. You know, young people know what I mean by rocked. He shook it. Uh, thank you, that's good. He healed the sick on the Sabbath, and the religious Jews had problems with that. You don't heal the sick on the Sabbath. His disciples, when they were hungry, went through the fields, plucked corn, and ate it, something that was specifically forbidden by the religious Jews. When I say religious Jews, some of you know when, when I refer to the Pharisees, Sadducees. These are the big guys. The guys, you know, when you look at the Jesus film, they have all these, you know, Costumes. Okay. And then when they objected and said, you know, you're teaching some good things. We think you're a Jew, but all of these things you're doing, you are not teaching people the right way. You're not keeping the Sabbath. You know what he said? It really, really, uh, it was like turning a knife inside the, the religious leaders. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So if my donkey falls into a ditch, I will pull it out. If somebody's sick, I can heal them, I will do it on the Sabbath. This, of course, infuriated the Jewish religious leaders. So the Jews, for that reason, by the way, opposed and rejected him. And who actually put him to death? Yeah, the Romans may have carried out the order, but when you read the life of Jesus, you see Pilate was not keen, the Roman uh, governor, to, to kill Jesus. The Jewish religious leaders, the high priests, Pharisees, uh, you know, pushed Pilate, practically twisted his arm to have Jesus crucified as a blasphemer, and heretic. You know who a blasphemer is? They said he is speaking against our God and he's teaching false teaching. Let me give you one line from the gospel that summarizes it. John 1.11. He came to his own. Who were his own? The Jewish people. But his own did not receive him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. My conclusion, Jesus may have been born a Jew, but he did not die a Jew. He died 
as an outcast he was thrown out of the jewish religion so some of you think okay pastor accepted he must have been a christian i challenge anybody in this room or outside to find one place in any of the writings that are connected to the life of jesus where either jesus called himself a christian or people referred to him as christian christian jesus never used the word christian nor did he use the word christianity then where did it come from how did it come well it is used in the new testament in uh, the book of acts and one epistle i don't want to go into that the new testament uses it but you know the origin of the term christian it was used as a term of contempt of ridicule the word christ is there and the ian is like these people are follow this christ christian and it was used derogatorily because they were labeled as the people who refused to worship the roman emperor who all other citizens of of the roman empire worshiped the roman empire they were supposed to on threat of death but the followers of jesus said no that is why they were called christian and if you had that label by the way in those days it meant they would either throw you to the lions or burn you at the stake because you are not willing to bow your knee to the human being who is on the throne of the roman empire no my dear brothers and sisters jesus did not come merely as a religious reformer in fact his strongest opponents as i've already pointed out were the religious leaders of his day in fact he did not come to start another religion why do i say that you know when you look at all of the all of the religions of the world when do you become a follower of a religion either christian or muslim or hindu or buddhist when you're born into that family right or you belong to a caste or you belong to the community jesus made no provision to become his disciples based on birth caste or community i hope that didn't shock you well if it did and you you don't agree with me look at the scripture again there is no provision somebody said you know god has no grandchildren in that sense every human being born on the face of the earth whatever family community or caste you have to make a decision to follow jesus to become his disciple there's no automatic belonging to the family of jesus you got to choose So if he did not come to start another religion why did he come Simple Jesus came as the son of God who is the creator and father of the entire human race 
with a message for every human being on the planet. And to show everyone what God is like. And then to show us how we can become friends with God. And thus experience life in all its fullness. Let me give you just one line from the words of Jesus himself. One of the places where he said this. John chapter 8 verse 12. I am the light of the world. Notice world. Not a particular community or a tribe or a nationality. The world. Whoever follows me. What does whoever mean? Whoever. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So friends, that's my answer. And if you have a debate or you want to debate that, please let's do it after the service. Okay, but I'm not finished. Let me conclude. Jesus is not the Christian God. He welcomes all people to become his followers. And his promises, those who follow him will have the light of life. So here at the way, we are followers of Jesus, the way. But that's about half of my message this evening. I said we are followers of Jesus at the way. But why do we follow Jesus? Well, I quickly want to give you, it sounds like a lot, but I'll go through it quickly. Okay, six reasons why I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. First is this, no one ever spoke like he spoke. There's an instance recorded in the Gospel of John chapter 7 verse 32. When the chief priests and Pharisees, remember the opponents of Jesus, the Jewish leaders, they sent temple guards to arrest Jesus. A few verses later, after perhaps by the end of the day, it says, Finally, the temple guards who, they, who had been sent to arrest Jesus went back to the chief priests and Pharisees empty-handed. So they asked them, why didn't you bring him in? And I love their response. No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. Yes, friends, his minds were mind-blowing. His words were mind-blowing. So simple. Even a child could understand it. And so profound, 2,000 years later, it continues to confound the wisest scholars, the wisest minds of our world. Sample. Let me give you a sample. One occasion he said, do to others what you would have them do to you. Can you think of, can a child not understand that? Just see if every human being on the planet practiced that. We wouldn't have wars. We won't have riots. We won't have misunderstanding. We won't have any strife on our planet. Just that one thing. Now the place he said, love your enemies. Just imagine what that would do to our world if we took it. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, give, give him the other also. 
I can go on and on, but I'm not going to. I'm going, just giving you a sample, you know? You know, sampler, when you walk past a restaurant, they hold outside and give you to taste. That's what I'm giving. One occasion, his enemies came, they wanted to trap him. They thought they, they're going to checkmate him, okay? Because remember, the Romans had conquered Palestine where the Jews lived, and the Jews hated the Romans. They were forced to give taxes, and they hated that. The Pharisees thought they would trap Jesus, and they told him, they asked him this question in a big crowd like this. They said, tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? You know the trap? If he says no, he'll be arrested by the Romans. If he says yes, all the Jews will turn against him. You know what he did? Some of you remember. He said, just bring me a coin. They gave him a coin. Incidentally, he didn't have a coin of his own, just by the way. He held it up. He said, whose head is on this coin? He said, Caesar. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. No one ever spoke like this man. If you, don't, if you want more, you need to read the, the uh, story of Jesus for yourself in the Gospels. Secondly, why do I follow this Jesus? No one did what he did. His birth was miraculous. The only person on, in history who was born of a virgin. Miracles followed wherever he went. He opened blind eyes, opened deaf ears. He healed cripples, delivered the demon-possessed. One occasion fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish. He walked on water, slept through a storm, and then when he woke up, he calmed the storm with a, with a word of his mouth. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> he raised the dead <coughs> many times. <coughs> In fact, today, you heard a story. Someone who was few steps away from death. Excuse me for saying that, Bindu. You discovered, you confessed that. And came back to life. But he also did that with people who stopped breathing. He interrupted a funeral procession once and raised that person. He continues to do that even today, doesn't he? But the greatest miracle of all is the lives that he changes. And again, every time he met someone, that person's life was never the same. And when I say never the same, radical transformation. Uh, during the time of Jesus, among the most corrupt people were the tax collectors. And there was a tax collector called Zacchaeus. When he met Jesus, he was, life was touched so powerfully, it says, he gave half his possessions to the poor and promised to return four times from those he had cheated. Can you imagine businessmen today doing that? Can do it. If Jesus touches your heart, he will also touch your pocket. No one ever spoke like this man. No one ever did what this man has done. Thirdly, no one ever loved like he loved. I'll tell you why that is so important, friends. We live in a world that is broken. Divided deeply. 
And every day we face the consequences of that. On the basis of what? One thing, just one thing. You know what that is? Prejudice. Color prejudice. Caste prejudice. Prejudice based on wealth. I have more money. Social status. And even religion. Prejudice based on religion. I belong to this community. You belong to that. This is in fact prejudice that causes division is the main cause of all the strife in our world. Do you agree with me? Some of you are nodding. You're listening. Now Jesus had no prejudice. Racial, social, religious, or gender prejudice. You know what is the only antidote to prejudice? Pure love. Pure love. I'll tell you why. The, all of us here have love. Anyone who doesn't know what, doesn't say, I know I don't have any love at all. I don't love anybody. Anybody here? No, thank, thank God. We all love. But you know what? I'll tell you who you love. You love your family. That's okay. I'm not saying it's wrong to love your family. Why do you love your family? Your husband, your wife, your children, your sisters, your mothers, your children, your mother, father, children. You're mine. Correct? You love your community. If you believe in caste, you love your caste. And we all know what language prejudice is, right? We take care of our own. Our people. Whenever somebody uses that phrase, our people, I want to know, oh, what about the rest of the world? Pure love loves human beings on a basis that I will tell you in a moment. But Jesus' love, or the extent of Jesus' love, and I want to just refer to it in, in one context, gender prejudice, that was a time when women were really looked down upon. So on one occasion, the gospel records, the religious people, huh, by the way, they dragged this woman and threw her at the feet of Jesus and said, this woman has been caught in adultery. You don't have to be a PhD to know that adultery needs two people, right? They only bring the women, woman, throw him, and they quote Moses' law. Moses says, you should stone the adulteress to death. What do you say? Again, a trap. If he says no, then he's contradicting Moses. If he says yes, he can't do it. He's pure love. You know what Jesus responds. He said, okay, go ahead. But whoever picks up the stone should be without sin. If you are, point is, if you have sin, you have no moral right to throw the stone. So he who is without sin, cast the first stone. And the scripture records, he went, started writing on the ground. And while he's writing, some people speculate that he was writing each person's sin. By the end of it, he looks up, nobody's there, only the woman. He says, woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She says, no, Lord, neither do I. Go and don't do that anymore. Sin no more. I'll tell you, 
why Jesus loved the way he did and why no one loved like he loved. Jesus sees every human being as equal. No prejudice. You know why? He sees every human being as created in the image of God. Whatever nationality, whatever color, whatever race, whatever caste. I mean, Jesus didn't even have a notion of caste. Whatever, whatever social status, rich or poor, male or female, you have the image of God in you. And you know what? Every human being, because of the image of God, we have limitless value, infinite value. Even the person who's physically handicapped is in the image of God. The person who's mentally challenged is in the image of God. And because he loves like that, he invites and welcomes people everywhere, of all faiths and no faith, to follow him. I told you six. Number four, why do I follow Jesus? No one claimed what he claimed. On one occasion, a cripple came to him for healing. And before Jesus healed him, he said, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders went, ah, you know what? Who can forgive sins? Only God. And he said it explicitly to the Jews. He said, I and the Father are one. For them, this was blasphemous. And even strong, more strong, uh, stronger words in, in John chapter 8, verse 58, he says, before Abraham was, Abraham was the father of the Jews. Okay, get this, please. It's very important you get this. Before Abraham was, I am. It sounds bad English. But that I am, he's quoting the personal covenant name that God used in the Old Testament when he appeared to Moses. He's claiming to be God himself. No one dare make such a claim. Another place he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes and believes in me will never die. These are not... One of the milk claims, it's not like the insurance agent saying, you know, you invest and I'll give you so much, uh, you know, returns on your investment. It's not, it's not that kind of claim. Not, not the kind of claim that a real estater does. You know, this is a beautiful house, you know, yeah, you know, or someone trying to sell you a car or even a doctor's diagnosis. These are mind-boggling, staggering claims. And I'll tell you uh, the, the, the implication of these claims, okay? I'm quoting from a philosopher named C.S. Lewis. It will come, on, come, on uh, come up on the screen. I want you to just look at it. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can't make claims like that unless you're a liar, a lunatic, 
oh Lord. I have a quote from Bono, you two, which I'll skip for now, okay? But Jesus' life confirmed the truth of his claims, friends. He claimed to be God walking this earth in human form. And if that is indeed true, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, the consequences should it turn my life upside down. It should do the same for you. Why do we follow this Jesus? No one ever spoke like him. No one ever did what he did. No one loved like he loved. No one dared ever make the claims that he made. Fifthly, no one died like he died. Now, the account of his life makes it very clear that Jesus had the power to avoid the cross at any time he wanted. One occasion, you know, when his disciples tried to defend him, when, when the guard sent by the high priest came to arrest Jesus, one of the disciples, Peter, took his sword and, you know, he tried to, to you know, defend Jesus and pierce one of the attackers. But he was a very poor swordsman. He, I managed to just get a bit of his ear. Jesus healed the ear and told Peter, don't be stupid. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. That if I wanted to protect myself, one word to the Father, 12 legion of angels would come. He had a choice not to die. Someone said it was not the nails that kept him on the cross. It was love that took him to the cross and kept him there. And that's God's love letter. God so loved the world that he gave his son to die on the cross. No one ever died like this man. Listen to his words. Very similar to your experience, Sister Bindu. In an intense pain, only someone can do it, can have the joy of the Lord like you did. Only someone can have the heart to forgive by the strength that God gives. He's looking at his accusers in the midst of his pain, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Let me read to you what happened when Jesus breathes his last, okay? Matthew 27 records what happened. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock from 12 to 3. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. That's the moment when he breathed his last. Look at what happens then. Verse 51. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I don't want to go into the details of that, but that no one touched it. This was the curtain that separated the most holy place in the, in the Jewish tradition from where common people were. A supernatural occurrence. The earth shook. Rocks split apart. So imagine the scene, the darkness across the whole land, the earth shaking, rocks split apart. And tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Okay, now... Before you read the rest, remember the Roman soldiers who killed Jesus were not weak-kneed. Huh? They were soldiers. 
who had performed this crucifixion many, many times. On this occasion, the Roman officer, the other soldiers were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. You know why? They realized the person they have crucified is no ordinary man. They said, they said, these heathen, they were not even Jews. They were not even, you know, we don't know whether they, uh, you know, they were even believed in God. This man truly was the son of God. No one ever died like this man. And I want to quote the beloved father of our nation, Mahatma Gandhi, describing the death of Jesus. A man who was completely innocent, offered himself as a sacrifice for the good of others, including his enemies, and became the ransom of the world. This is how life ought to be lived. A death like no other. Good news, friends. Sixth reason why I am a follower of Jesus. Like those who follow the way. No one lives on like he does. Many great men and women have come and lived and died, shared great teachings and philosophies. But you know, friends, unlike scientific, unlike scientific truth, which can be verified here on earth, truth about unseen realities, what is the unseen world like? Truth about what lies beyond the grave, we have no way of knowing. If somebody is, uh, tells you this is what lies beyond the grave, you have no way of knowing because all of them have come and gone. How do we know their teachings are true? Among the many claims Jesus made, he made one impossible claim. That he would rise again on the third day. If he didn't do that, you can dismiss everything he said. He is the only one in all of history to do so. Over and over again, many skeptics have studied the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus and come away believers. But I don't want to go into that now. But friends, he lives on. I want to share a personal experience I had uh, many years ago. Now, please understand the context. We respect teachers of all faiths, okay, religious leaders of all faiths. But a few friends of mine and I had the opportunity of visiting this great guru. Uh, I don't want to tell his name. Some of you may guess. Uh, beautiful ashram. And I went, we were in the main assembly hall. And... Uh, he was sitting on a kind of a throne and people were worshipping. And they were singing actually even some songs that you and I know, How Great Thou Art. And he was receiving this adulation and praise. And it was very interesting. But after that assembly, that service, we had the opportunity of meeting this guru face to face. A few of us, I think there were four or five of us. And we had a question and answer time. A friend of mine and I had just come after burying a believer. And I felt prompted to ask this great guru this question. I asked him, 
sir, what hope are you able to give to people who have lost their loved ones? I told him myself, just come from a funeral. Uh, what hope are you able to give to people who've lost their loved ones about life beyond this life? You know, I expected some answer like, you know, that they will be reincarnated or something like that. He thought for a moment and smiled and he said, you know what? I just tell people what comes to me at that time. I don't have a, a consist, a, an answer that I repeat every time. Uh, friends, I'm not being critical here, but one thing I know, he didn't really have an answer because he hasn't been beyond and back. You can ask all the great teachers and prophets of the world, what lies beyond this life? You know what you will hear? What you just heard, silence. Only one voice comes back from the other side. I am the living one. I was dead and I am alive forever and ever. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will Never die. You know whose voice that is, don't you? There's only one person who's been there, returned from the, from the other side, and is alive today. We worship him by his spirit. He's alive, we know, and we have living proof of at least one testimony today. Bindu, Bindu experienced his touch. His life lives on. And while many people's lives live on in history books, in their writings, there's only one person who walks in our midst alive by his spirit. So any wonder? He never wrote a single word, you know that? Jesus never wrote a single word. Yet more books have been written about him than any one of the 60 billion people who have lived on this planet to date. Any wonder that he had no formal education, but thousands of universities, colleges, and schools have been founded in his name. Any wonder he never raised an army, but millions of people have laid down their lives for his cause and are still willing to do that. The impact of Jesus' life lives on and will live forever. And the most important reason for that is that no one offers what he does. No one. No one offers forgiveness of sins. No one offers fullness of life. No one offers a hotline to God the Father. No one offers life everlasting. No one satisfies the heart. 
like he does. Thanks for listening to this message from AG Kolkata. We hope you would stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at AGC Kolkata. We would love to know how this message has touched your life. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing us at stories at agkolkata.org. Hope you have a great week ahead.